All right. So I've been preaching out of the parables of Jesus Christ. Uh, I think I'm gonna. I think I have one more parable after this that I, I kind of want to tackle. But today we're gonna be uh, talking about the unfor- unmerciful or the unforgiving servant. Um, you know, Jesus taught a lot of different kinds of parables. Many of them he taught uh, parables to describe the kingdom of heaven. So he would be, he's, he would say like, this is what the kingdom of heaven is like. But he also taught parables to teach us about kingdom character, about what we are supposed to be like, what um, the people of God, as they enter into the, the kingdom of God, um, what are the characteristics that we're supposed to have. And this parable that Kelby read today deals with one of the most important characteristics that we have to have in the kingdom of God, and it's about being a forgiving person. Um, now, before Jesus tells this parable, Peter asks him this question, and uh, it says, the question is, oh no, I, I have to go backwards. Sorry, guys. I, I ended on the last page, so I have, uh, okay, there we go. Um, he asks this question, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times? You know, like he, seven times? He asks that question. And uh, here we have Peter, he's being Peter. Peter was like me. He's the guy that would always stick his foot in his mouth. Um, he's the one that would, you know, like rebuke Jesus. And Jesus calls him Satan and say, get behind me. You know, he would walk on, he had the faith to walk on water with Jesus. And then he would like take his eyes off of him and he would start to sink. And he would be like, oh, help me. You know, like Peter uh, was a, he, he's kind of like me. He's a sanguine, I think, right? He's, he was, uh, you know, he's very like an overzealous and he, you know, he wanted to do good, but a lot of times, he would he would mess up, uh, and as Peter uh, had been following Jesus, he's begun to understand that the kingdom, the kind of characteristics that this new life that Jesus is talking about, uh, had a had a lot to do with mercy and compassion. Um, you know, Jesus came and his you know his ministry was about repentance, but then he came to give us mercy and to show us compassion. Right? And so you know, Peter he's starting to kind of understand what Jesus. He thinks that he, he's starting to understand what Jesus um, you know, is trying to get at with a, a lot of the teachings that he's been giving him. And so, um, you know, he, he's noticed that Jesus never held a grudge. Right? All throughout his ministry, Jesus never held a grudge. Jesus never, you know, was bitter. He was never unforgiving. Um, and he looked at him and he's like, oh, right, he, he, you know, he's a man of mercy. He's a man of compassion. And so in his mind, he thought that he was being very generous with this question because the rabbis back then, would teach that you forgave somebody up to three times. If Jacques came up to me and said, you suck, and I'd be like, I forgive you. And then he comes to me next week, and then he's like, you stink. And I'd be like, I forgive you. And then he comes to me a third time, and then he says, like, oh, you know, you're ugly. And I'd be like, oh, I forgive you. But then after that, I don't have to forgive him anymore, right? I'd be like, you know, he'd come to me and be like, you're fat. And I'd be like, oh, <laughs> you know? Like, that's what the rabbis taught back then, that you forgive somebody up to three times, um, and then after that, you know, it was okay. So he was trying to be holy here. Peter's like, oh, I should double it. And just to be safe, let's just add one more. So he's like, should I forgive him seven times, right? And then he thought that he was going to get this, like, you know, like, oh, that a boy, Peter. Great job. You understand the kingdom of God. Uh, but Jesus, he, rep- he responds, I do not say to you seven times, but 77 times. Some other translations translated as 70 times seven times. Or 490 times. I believe that my math is correct. But uh, either way, Jesus wasn't communicating 
like a number of times that you need to forgive somebody, but he was talking about living a life of forgiveness. Right? The kingdom of heaven, for us, are the characteristics that we need to have in the kingdom of heaven is for us to live a life of forgiveness. Uh, and then he tells them this parable. There was this king who wanted to settle his accounts, right? And, uh, and one of the servants come to him, and then he's like, this dude owes you 10,000 talents. That's what the ESV says, 10,000 talents. Now, there's a differing opinions of what exactly a talent was. But back then, a talent wasn't like necessarily a currency. It was a considered a currency of money, but it was actually a weight. And then I, and I, I did some research a while back when I was doing in the, the minus thing, but I saw this picture of what people believed that a talent looked like. And it was like literally a boulder, like the size of like, you know, like a, it was like, hey, you couldn't pick it up, right? And they would bury these things underground, and, and they would hold on to them, and it was a sign of wealth. And so 10,000 talents, you have to realize, is like an, an amazing, and like, you know, it, it, it's not something like most people working every day of their lives wouldn't even make one talent sometimes, right? But then this dude owed this king 10,000 talents, right? A talent is supposed to be worth uh, 20 years of a laborer's wage. If you work for 20 years, and back then people only lived till like you know didn't live that long to live. That's like you living, you working your whole life, and then you may, maybe make one talent, right? And so when I read, read this, I, I imagine those Wall Street guys. You remember those Wall Street guys? They'll be like they they'll, they'll lose like a hundred million of other people's money, you know, like they're like they would live, lose all these money, and then uh, and I imagine that like if they were to be held accountable. Accountable. Imagine a Wall Street finance guy that lost a hundred million dollars, and he had to pay back using a laborer's salary to pay back whatever. Oh, that would be impossible, right? If you lost a hundred million, I would. I will, I don't think working all my life, I will even come close to making a million dollars in my lifetime, right? But imagine you owing somebody a hundred million dollars, and then uh, and then you have to pay it back using the salary of a laborer's uh, a laborer, right? And so, it, this is uh, an un, like it's just an incredible amount of money that this guy owed to the king. He owed the king a mon, a m- amount of money that he can never pay back in his lifetime. Uh, uh, even in a thousand years, he wouldn't be able to pay back what he owed the king. And because he couldn't pay it back, the king ordered him to be sold into slavery, slavery along with his family. And the man falls into his knees and he's like, I beg you, please give me time and I will pay back everything. I will pay back. He knows that he's lying, right? He knows that he can never pay back 10,000 talents, right? He knows that he can't do it, but he's like, I will pay back everything. I beg of you. And the king, the Bible says, Jesus says that he had pity on him and he releases him and forgives him of his debt. Um, You know, he's been forgiven of a a debt that he could never pay back. If he lived like... Hundred lifetimes, he wouldn't be able to pay it back. Right? This would change anybody's life. Imagine, some of you guys, the debt that you guys have is your student debt. Right? So who has student debt here? Right? That student debt. Imagine, and actually, this is like very insignificant compared to like you know what what this guy has been forgiven of. But imagine one day some dude comes up to you and he's like, "I'll forgive you of your student debt." Imagine like whatever, however much it is, and you you you're like. What? And, then, and even that small, like insignificant, not, not insignificant, but that, that amount of money 
that nowhere in comparison to what this guy's forgiven of, that would change your life. Right? If I came up to you one day and said, "Hey, Leah, I will pay off your student debt for you," and you would, that would that would be like, "Oh my goodness!" Like that's like, like that would that would put you on a new trajectory. It would give you a new like sense, like a new like you know, way of like looking at people and looking at like the world around you, and uh, and it would radically change your life. Right? This guy, his life should have changed when he was forgiven. I had this reoccurring dream. And it's not a good dream, but I had this reoccurring dream that I, like, like, you know, I, I used to be in trouble with the law when I was young, um, that I violate my probation and I have to go to jail, right? This is, I've been having, I've had this dream maybe, like, five times in the last, like, three years, right? And I, and then in the dream, like, I you know, I still have my kids and my wife, but then I do something, I don't know what it is, and then they violate my probation. This happens all the time in America. And then I have to go to jail, and then, and so now, like, I'm about, I'm going to jail, and I'm getting processed, and in my heart, I was like, oh my goodness, like, I can't believe I have to go. And then I wake up. And when I wake up, I feel so good. Like, I, like, I wake up with a, a new lease on life. I just, like, I have a spring in my step. I'm like, woohoo! You know, like, I kiss my wife, I kiss my kids. I'm so happy, because I've been through that in my life, right? And so, like, my dream, it's like very, it's like anguish when I'm having this dream. It's like, it's just, I'm depressed. You know, it's like, it's just, just, it's like deep, like, depression, this devastation that I'm, I'm, I'm going through. But then when I wake up, I feel like oh, all is good. Oh, this is making me look fatter. Putting, <laughs> making me look bigger than I am, right? Well, this servant, to this servant, it wasn't a dream, right? right? He was forgiven of a debt that would have sold him into slavery and his family into slavery. But he was cleared of this debt, right? completely cleared of this debt. But when this same servant saw one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii, now this is not an insignificant amount of money. A denarii is a day's wage, right? So it's not like this guy owed him five dollars and he'd be like, give me my money, man, I'm gonna put you in jail. He owed him a pretty significant amount of money, probably like maybe like five thousand or ten thousand dollars. And, uh, and then he, he sees this guy and he, and, you know, he, he, the, the guy like falls at his legs, like, oh, I, I'll pay it back. And this is actually something that he can actually do, probably, in his lifetime. He could probably pay back this debt. But then he's very uh, unforgiving, and then he puts him in jail until he can pay back his debt. And when the king heard that what had happened, he summoned him, and, and this is what he said to the, to the servant. He says, you wicked servant, I forgave you all the debt because you pleaded with me. You should, you should not, you, wait, and should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant and had mercy as I had mercy on you. And in anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debts. So also so my heavenly father will do to you, every one of you, if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. Jesus is teaching this, this, his disciples about one of the most important characteristics in the kingdom of heaven, and it's about living a life of forgiveness, right? And Peter came up, came up to him and asked this, like, information about how many times should I forgive, like, how, like, give me a number, right? Give me a number. How many times am I supposed to forgive somebody that wrongs me seven times? And then Jesus responds to him with a story about a life of forgiveness. It's not about a number. It's not about like, you know, single it. That's the letter. That's the law. Right? But we're we're supposed to have a transformation in us that lived, we were supposed to live a life of forgiveness. Now, why is it a life of forgiveness? Is because if the servant truly understood just how much he had been forgiven of, his whole outlook of how he saw people, 
with his whole outlook of how he saw everything would have radically changed. Right? He's like one of those Wall Street guys that, lo- that loses millions and millions of dollars, like people's pension plans. Right? There's people that will lose all this money, and he'll lose like people that have saved up all this money to live off their retirement, all gone. You know, retirement money, nest eggs, all of these things, people like these Wall Street guys would lose, right? Just frivolously, like, oh yeah, I lost like ten million dollars today, ah, right? But the government always comes and they bail them out. In America, it's happened many times. Wall Street got bailed out many times so that the economy doesn't collapse. And and they go on their day as if nothing happened. But if that same finance guy had to look at all of the people that lost money because of him, if they all surrounded him, right, like all the thousands of people that lost their retirement accounts, that lost their you know their 401ks, all this stuff, had surrounded him and they were looking at him. And then and, and, and he the, he had to face them eye to eye, every single one, and then they forgave him. Right? That would radically change how that person saw everything. He, it would radically change the way that he saw the world. It would radically change the way that he saw you know, other people, even himself. And that's what Jesus is talking about here. Right? He's talking, the life of forgiveness that Jesus is talking about comes from our understanding and truly experiencing the forgiveness that we have in Christ. That's the forgiveness that we are supposed to have has to come from that place. And it's like our need to forgive and our ability to forgive comes from the power of the gospel. The gospel of Jesus Christ compels us to not look to ourselves, but to what Christ has done for us. And what Christ has done is he has forgiven us of, of, of sin that we can never make right. Even if even if we try every day for the rest of our life, even if we work, 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 like you know, I'm I'm at the church cleaning every day, you know, I'm I'm like you know doing all these, going out to the mission field and and you know like working, feeding the poor and making houses for 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 people and all of this stuff. I I do all this stuff every day for the rest of my life. I still cannot earn salvation for myself. It's just a drop in the bucket compared to what Jesus had to do. Because he, he died on the cross and he paid the pay, paid the price for us to be forgiven. As the gospel transforms our hearts, as we become more like Christ, we begin to do what Christ did. Because as he hung on that cross, what did he say? He looked down at the people that rejected him. He looks down at the people that sold him out. He looked at the people that nailed him to this cross. And he looks down at them and he says, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they do. To truly forgive is divine. We have to understand that. We emulate Christ. When we forgive somebody, truly from the heart, we're doing something that Christ did himself. And and we're, 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 we're following in the example that Jesus Christ laid out for us. This doesn't mean that, you know, non Christians can't forgive. Non Christians can forgive, but we have to understand the way of the world is to hold a grudge. The way of the world is to not forgive. Fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. Right? There's that old saying. Right? Unforgiveness is the norm in this world. To the world, it's not immoral to not forgive. I think that's why unforgiveness is not a real word in the English language. Do you know that? Unforgiveness is not a real word in English. Well, type it into your thing and, and see if there's a red underline under it. 
is not a real word. And, and to the world, right, into the world, forgiving somebody is a sign of weakness. You know, you're a doormat. You know, you're, 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 you're a pushover. Right? You, you, you know, and when you, when, when you, somebody that forgives, you know, and you, you swallow, like swallow your pride and you forgive, you look down upon. Like, oh, you know, they're, they're, they're a pushover. They're a doormat. Oh, you know, they're going to get taken advantage of. What the world says is, you hurt me, I'm going to take that pain, I'm going to work real hard, and I'm going to get my revenge. That's what the world's understanding is. That's the, that's the voice of the world that we see all around us. And that's, that's actually encouraged, and that's actually like, you know, that's, so, that's like, a, like a, you know, something that, that people want to do in this world. It's like, oh yeah, like, like revenge is a, a, a this surf, best served cold. I don't know how that saying goes. But like to be able to like you know just not forgive and take that and and, and go and you beat them, right? That's that's looked at as like an example of something that's like you know commendable in this world. But we're not supposed to be like the world. Jesus said that we're supposed to be in the world, but we're not supposed to be of the world. We're supposed to be different. While everyone goes up, we're supposed to go down. Well, well, you know, everybody's like, you know, it's all about me. I'm the best. I'm the greatest. I don't know. I don't know rap songs these days. Right? But when I was young, that's what all the rap Tupac and Biggie. I'm the best. I'm the greatest. Right? right? While the world is saying that, we're supposed to say, I'm a servant. I'm a servant. I'm a servant to the world. I'm a servant to everyone. And it, and this leads me to my next point, and it and it's that humility is key in forgiveness. Earlier in this chapter, at the beginning of chapter 18, the disciples asked Jesus a wrong question. Who's heard of that saying, there's no wrong questions? Well, this is a wrong question. He's like, they ask, who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And Jesus has been teaching them about the kingdom of heaven. And at, at one point in chapter 13, Jesus asked them, do you know what I'm talking about? And they answer, yes, I know, we know what you're talking about, right? But it's clear that they still don't fully get it. They don't fully understand. In fact, even after Jesus dies and he rises from the dead and he appears to the disciples in Acts 1, right, just before Jesus ascends to heaven, they ask him, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? They completely didn't understand it. Right? Like Jesus, they, they've been taught by Jesus for you know three years. They see Jesus die. They see Jesus raised from the dead. And then the, he's about to go up to heaven, and then they ask, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? They were still thinking in natural terms. They were, they were expecting a political king that would rise up like David and then you know, get the Romans off their backs so that they can raise up a, a, the kingdom of Israel. But Jesus has been alluding to a kingdom that is in the, that's in the heart of the people, like that's in their hearts. To the Holy Spirit, the kingdom of heaven is here, right? It's in their hearts. They are the kingdom of heaven. His rule and his reign growing and expanding is the kingdom of heaven. His rule and his reign is in us. Jesus reigns through us. Jesus rules through us. You know that? That his rule and reign is on this earth and it's through us who follow and obey his word, right? And as the disciples asked about the greatest in the kingdom of heaven, Jesus teaches them about the overarching character that they need to have as disciples. And he 
humility. He, he calls over a child, he puts him in the mist, and he says, he says, truly I say to you, oh no, it's the wrong one. Sorry. Oh, it says, truly I say to you, unless you turn and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever humbles himself like a child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Humility is one of the foundational characteristics in the kingdom of God. Because without humility, you can be kind, you can be loving, you can be charitable, you can be generous, and it all misses the mark. Humility is the one way that we can represent Christ well in this world. And humility is the one thing that will help us to truly emulate Christ. Because we're able to humble ourselves. You have to understand, unforgiveness stems from the opposite of humility, which is pride. Unforgiveness comes from pride. How dare he say that to me? Right? Who, who felt that before? Right? I've had, I used to teach kids. I'm like, how dare this kid say that to me, right? I got co-teachers, like, be all me. I'm like, how dare she, right? That's pride, right? And when we hold on to that, what keeps us holding on to that isn't like the hurt that's in there, it's pride. Pride keeps us holding on to unforgiveness. Pride keeps us holding on, and then we wear it on our sleeve like a badge. Oh, they did this to me, right? Like, you know, we feel that, 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 that thing in us, like righteous indignation, like, oh, like they did it. How dare they, right? And, and it's because unforgiveness, bitterness, like holding on to this thing, it comes from a place of pride. Bible tells us to humble ourselves. Jesus tells us to humble ourselves. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are the humble, for they will inherit. Uh, the, for they will inherit the earth. God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Now, the servant that that owed him money, he focused on what he was owed and what he couldn't see. Like like because he had this pride of like of what well, this guy owes me this money, he cannot see the amazing forgiveness that he experienced through the king. And forgiving the people that wrong us is a fruit of humility that Christ wants us to walk in. You know that? Like a fruit of, of like the, a, a fruit of humility. Like, if you, like humility is something that's very, very difficult to hold on to, right? I've said this analogy, but it's like a butterfly on you see a butterfly in your shoulder, it's like humility. And the moment that you look at it, like, oh, there's a butterfly, it flies away, right? The same way, it's like humility, you're walking in humility. And the moment that you notice, oh, I'm so humble, it flies away, right? It's like one of the hardest things to hold on to. And But one of the fruits of true humility is being able to humble ourselves and to forgive. It's a fruit, you know? It doesn't seem like a fruit, but it is. The fruit of the Spirit is love, and the Bible tells us that love keeps no record of wrong. Humility isn't about feeling crappy for ourselves, but true humility is obedience. Even though we don't want to, we submit ourselves to God's will for our lives, and then we forgive. That's humility. I mean, that's a fruit of humility is being able to forgive. You guys have to understand it. Because it's very hard to do. 
Jesus said that following him is not going to be easy. It's like the, it's the narrow gate, right? It's the, it's the, it's the narrow road. It's not this like big, like thoroughfare, like this four lane highway that everybody's going to be running. Following Jesus is actually like going to be very difficult. And these are the moments that's going to make following Jesus very difficult. It's when somebody wrongs us and we feel that how dare they inside of us. Like we, we, we humble ourselves and then we forgive, even though we don't want to. We submit to His will, and then we forgive. Humility is a key to forgiveness. My next point is, unforgiveness is a sin. But when we don't humble ourselves and, when, and we don't forgive, we're actually committing, committing a sin. We don't treat it like sin, though. We treat it like a, like a character flaw. But Jesus has some harsh words to say about unforgiveness. And we see it in this parable. He says, you wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me and should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you. And in anger, his master delivered him to the jailer until he should pay all his debt. So also my heavenly father will do to you, every one of you, if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. This is a sin. And it's not just a character flaw. It's not like people say like, oh, you know, I'm just, I, 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 I'm just stubborn like that. That's just, it's just kind of character, just kind of person that I am. I hold grudges, you know. I'm the type of guy. This is the way that I was raised. I just hold grudges. It's just my, just me, right? No, that's a sin. It's a sin to not forgive. Does it mean that you're gonna go to hell if you don't forgive? Well, I don't think so, because we don't gain salvations through forgiving people, and 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 we are saved through faith and grace and 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 what Christ did on the cross. For us, and it's faith in Christ that gives us salvation. So I believe that if we truly understand and believe the amazing grace that Christ gives us and the price that He paid, we can't help but be forgiving people. If God is truly in you, if Jesus Christ is truly in you, right, we should naturally be transformed into forgiving people. And if you see somebody that claims to be saved but just can't forgive people, I would question their salvation. Like, do you really understand grace? Do you really understand what Jesus Christ did on the cross for you? Or are you just confessing that with your lips, but you don't truly believe it in your heart? Because I believe that if you truly experience the fullness of the grace that God gives us, we can't help but be forgiving people. Unforgiveness is a sin, and like all other sins out there, like, like it's going to have effect in our lives. But we, but we treat it like, like a character flaw. We treat it like, you know, something that we, we, we you know, it's just, I'm, this is my temperament. This is the way that I'm geared. And then we wallow in it. We wallow in the unforgiveness. We simmer in it like chicken simmering in sauce, right? It's just like, oh, how dare he? Oh, how dare she? And we just allow it to just like, just, just get into the center of who we are. But just like all sin, it has effects on our lives. Unforgiveness and bitterness has a whole lot of implications on us. Satan loves it when you don't forgive. You know that? If you don't forgive somebody, Satan's like, yes! Because it actually opens you up to all of these other things that you're going to be like walking in. Bitterness, anger. You're going to be like, oh, like, you know, you, 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 Satan will look at your unforgiveness and, be, like, and he'll, he'll get excited. That's why there's a John Bevere book called Bait of Satan. It's a great book. He describes offense as like this bait that 
that Satan will tempt you with. And then you grab onto this unforgiveness. And all of a sudden, it just leads you down a path to sin and destruction. Bitterness, anger, contempt. And it actually creates distance between us and God. Unforgiveness has spiritual effects. Jesus says that if we don't forgive others, God will not forgive us, meaning that there will be a separation between us and God. There will be this distance between us and God. I don't necessarily believe that Jesus is saying that if we don't forgive someone, we will go to hell. But like all sin, unforgiveness creates separation between us and God. And if we are not able to forgive someone, we can't be close to God. God hates sin. So if we're harboring the sin, we don't think it's a sin, we think it's a character flaw, but if we're harboring this thing in our hearts, it's going to keep us from the right relationship that we're supposed to have with God. No one can say, I hate that guy, and say, I love God with all of my heart. Have you known somebody to be able to do that? Do you think you can do that? You, you, you look at me, I hate him. Dude, I hate that guy. Oh, Jesus, I love you so much, right? It's like an oxymoron. It doesn't happen. Right? It just can't work that way. It has spiritual implications when we hold on to unforgiveness, when we hold on to bitterness. And it, it affects the way that, you know, our, the, the closeness that we can have with our Lord and Savior. And it also has physical effects, anxiety, stress, hostility. It's been known to you know, high blood pressure is a is a an effect of you holding on to bitterness and anger, depression, low immune system, heart health, and even like serious uh, sicknesses like cancers have been attributed to people not being able to forgive somebody, holding on to that bitterness, holding on to that poison, that toxicity. I don't know who ever, who said this first, but I heard it and I really thought it was funny. But unforgiveness is like eating poison and, and then wanting to hurt somebody else. I forgot who said it. I've heard many people say this. Many pastors and people. But it's like me. I'd be like, Young wrongs me. Right? Young done me wrong. And so I take poison. And I'd be like, Well, I'm, I'm just suffering. I'm just like, ah. I'm like, ah, I hope you feel this, Young. And you're just like, da, 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 going to work, taking care of Judah. You know? And I'm at home going, ah. More poison. Ah, and Young just going about his day. Nothing is wrong. That's what unforgiveness is about. It, 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 it ruins our lives. Jesus taught us to pray, and he adds forgiving people as, as a part of that prayer. Right? He doesn't add, you shall not murder. Right? He doesn't talk about the Lord's Prayer. He doesn't talk about, you shall not commit adultery. He doesn't talk about stealing. He doesn't talk about all of these other sins. But he does add this, Lord. Forgive our debts as we forgive our debtors. I believe that this is a sin that's so like subtle and it's so like, you know, it doesn't feel like it that it can easily get ingrained into our hearts and and cause us to drift away from God. I think that's what happened to the Pharisees. The Pharisees were very good at the law. They were like, I would tithe from here, I would tithe from here, and I didn't touch those things, I don't eat those things, I make sure that I do my prayers, I do everything right. But I believe there were people that, that learned to hold on to this like bitterness and unforgiveness in their hearts. And it actually took them away from looking at God to something that looked like God. right? It was in the direction of God, but it wasn't Him. They've created a religion for themselves. And I believe that bitterness uh, was, had a lot to do with that. 
It's a subtle sin. It doesn't feel like it. It feels like righteousness sometimes, right? Have you ever been so angry and so, like, when somebody wronged you that you feel righteous? Like, like oh, I'm righteous. Let's call it righteous indignation, right? You feel so right. Like, mm, I'm right. right. But you hold on to that, and it starts to develop inside you, and you have, you have this unforgiveness and this bitterness, and, and you're, you're walking in a path of sin. It doesn't feel like it, but you are. Now, I'm going to close soon, but I want to make something very clear. Forgiving others, does that mean that we have to be a doormat? It doesn't mean that we're always the victim. Because right before this parable, Jesus gives this teaching. Right? And, and I'll read it to you. If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault because you and, between you and him, if he listens to you, you have gained your brother. But if he does not listen, take one of your, one or two along with you that every charge may be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. If he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And if he refuses to listen even to the church, let him be to you a Gentile and a tax collector. Jesus tells us that forgiving people does not mean continually putting yourself in a situation for you to get hurt over and over. Jesus is all about boundaries, right? He's about boundaries. Even when he was ministering, he would minister to thousands of people and people would bring their sick and all of these people cast out demons. But then he would say, I need a break, right? And then he would make this boundary. It's like, okay, it's just me and my disciples. And then there will be times when even his disciples would be a little too much. and be like, okay, all right, right, it's going to be James, John, and Peter. You guys come with me. He would set these boundaries for himself. Right? He would protect himself. And, and Jesus is not about us just being constantly hurt, being constantly wounded and saying, oh, I forgive you, I forgive you. But he wants us to set boundaries. When somebody hurts you over and over again and you're doing your part in forgiving them, but the relationship continues to be toxic, it's not unloving to walk away. To guard your heart. The Bible tells us to guard your heart with all vigilance, for out of it flows the wellspring of life. It's Proverbs. If your heart is jacked up, everything that flows out of your heart is going to get jacked up. Right? That's what God is saying. Right? So if you don't guard your heart, right, and if you let just people just walk all over you, they sin against you, and I forgive you, I forgive you, but all of a sudden you know, you're just you're, you just you become bitter and you become like just like you're a wreck. Right, then you, whatever flows out of your life is not going to be what God wants for you. So Jesus is saying, he, he, he makes his boundary for us. Right? If somebody sins and continues to sin, you do your part in forgiving them. You do your part in trying to like, you know, fix the relationship. But if that relationship it, it, it continues on, then you, you're allowed to set that boundary. It's not unloving to walk away. It's not loving to, to stop a relationship or put it on hold. Right? But then we do have to forgive them. That's the part. We have to forgive it. We have to be led in love. The relationship might need to come to an end or be put on hold because that might be the only thing that helps them to realize the harm that they're doing. But it doesn't mean we do it in hatred. It doesn't mean we do it as a grudge. We do it from a place of forgiveness. We do it from a place of love. We do it from a place of the Holy Spirit leading us in that place. So we're not supposed to be doormats. We're not supposed to just constantly just Put ourselves out there. That's what, like, that's that's what, like, it feels like Christianity. We're supposed to be loving. We're supposed to be good people. So even if somebody else, we're supposed to turn the other cheek. Yeah, that's true. We're supposed to turn the other cheek. But Jesus also says, if somebody sins against you, right, 
and, and, and they continue to sin against you, and, and, and they're not taking responsibility for it. Treat them like a tax collector or a Gentile, meaning like you can you can actually like like end that relationship. It doesn't mean that you're doing being unloving, because they might actually need that. They might actually need to have that 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 cut in the relationship with them to realize, oh man, what am I doing? I'm messing up here. But forgiveness doesn't mean just constantly having to to forgive. It doesn't mean constantly having to put ourselves and make ourselves the victim. Now, let's move on to how do we forgive. This is the hard part. How do we forgive? How do I forgive? The first thing that we need to do when we understand how to forgive is we have to grieve the hurt. Acknowledge your hurt. What was what was owed to the servant wasn't an insignificant amount. And what might have happened to you that needs forgiving is significant. Some of you might have, have trauma in your life. Some of you guys might have like really, really difficult like trauma in your life. And you shouldn't gloss over it or just ignore the offense or stuff it. Like guys like to do that. I used to do I still do this. I just stuff it. He's like, ah, oh, you hurt me. I just ah, stuff it down in there. Ah, and then I'm like, ah, oh, you can't hurt me again. I'm all good. But we never deal with it. It's still inside of us. Right? And whenever somebody that looks like them come by, we're like, oh, you know, like, you know, you just like, they act, somebody acts like the way that they act, and all of a sudden you feel it all again. It's because they've stuffed it. We're supposed, we're not supposed to stuff it. We're supposed to acknowledge the hurt. And we, we stuff that hurt, and all of a sudden we blow up at somebody else. Focus on the hurt and not on the one that hurt you. When you do that, you're able to have more clarity to see things rightly. But don't wallow in it. Though. We, we, we get into this thing. We wallow in the, in the hurt. We wallow in the pain. We wallow. Like, acknowledge it and say, hey, that hurt me. And I, I have to do something about this. But then it doesn't mean that we wallow in it. We don't. We don't define ourselves by our hurt. We don't wear it on our on our shirt like a badge. Like oh, I was hurt this way. That guy hurt me like this. Right? Everybody look. That guy treated me like this. Hey, did, did you know back there? Hey, that guy hurt me like this. Right? We don't. We're not supposed to do that. We don't wallow in it. But we do need to grieve it. We do need to mourn sometimes. We do need to to acknowledge that we've been hurt. A lot of guys, we don't do that. We need to learn to do that. The next is repent. This is very important. Because unforgiveness is a sin. Right? And choosing to forgive is a decision that we have to make. Repent means to turn. right? We turn away from the sin. But it's more about turning away from sin and looking at God. Forgiveness isn't a feeling. People think that if you forgive, you're supposed to have this... This rosy feeling, a good, oh, I forgave Nina and I, it feels so nice and I, I like her so much. Forgiveness is, isn't necessarily a feeling. Sometimes that feeling of really forgiving them may not come right away or it may not come at all. You may never feel that. That trauma or that hurt might be so bad that you look at that person, you may never be able to fully feel that, that goodness and ah, but you do have to forgive. You do have to. So it's a decision that you make. Jesus, when he's talking about the servant is a debt that was cleared. That's why, the way that we have to see it. Like, this guy owes me this much, but I'm going to just cancel that debt. It's a decision. And repentance is that decision. You have to, you, like, nobody can make you do anything. I can't make you forgive, right? 
If, if Tiffany is bitter at, 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 at Mina, I can't make her forgive her. I can say all the things and give you this three-point PowerPoint presentation about why she should forgive and the health benefits of forgiving, and I can give her all the Bible passages in the world, in the Bible about forgiving. I can't make her forgive her. It's a decision that she needs to make. And that decision is repentance. You have to turn away from this bitterness, this unforgiveness, and you've got to turn to God and say, God, I choose to forgive this person. I'm going to decide. I make this decision to forgive. And then it's not a feeling. That decision doesn't have to come with a feeling. I make decisions all the time. I don't feel good about it. I don't feel happy. i got to take out the garbage. I don't feel like i got to take out food trash. Food trash makes me gag all the time, right? But every time I take out the food trash, Mina makes me take it out. She never does it. Well, not never. She do it occasionally, but I have to do it most. Every time I take it out, I'm at the thing, and I'm just like, Bleh. I had to wait for the thing to open. Sometimes there's like an old lady next to me, and I'm trying my best not to gag, and she's just like, Bleh. and I, she looks at me like, what's wrong with you, right? I, I decide, but I like I I have to. You mean I can't make me take out the food trash? I decide in my heart. I'm going to take out the food trash because it's stinking up the house and all these bugs are everywhere. And so now I have to take it out. I make that decision. I'm not happy about it. I don't have rosy feelings about taking out this thing, but I make that decision and I do it. That's what like forgiveness is like sometimes. It doesn't come with the, the feeling of bliss and glee and like, oh, reconciliation and let's, you know, let's be friends again. Sometimes true forgiveness right, is just a decision that I decide that I'm going to forgive this person because God forgave me of so much. It's turning to God. Repentance is turning to God. It's a decision. It's clearing away this debt. Right? And the next is we let go of the offense. We let go of the bitterness. Not because the one that wronged you changed or they asked for forgiveness, but give the offense and the bitterness to Jesus. That's why he died on the cross, to have victory of all the, over the, all the things that you bring him. Right? He died on the cross for that. He died on the cross so that all of the, the crap that's in our hearts, all of the unforgiveness and all of the bitterness that we're holding on to, as we give it to Jesus, he's like, you know what? I died on the cross for this to go away. I died on the cross so that this be covered by my blood and you will be made right. Letting go of the offense has less to do with the person and more to do with God and Jesus. That's why he died on the cross. That's why you know, he did what he did, is for us to bring him these things and he can make it right. And then we pray for the strength and grace to be able to turn from this offense. Sometimes we need to pray. We have to pray, like, God, help me. Help me forgive AJ. But he hurt me so badly. He talked all this smack about me. God, you beat me up. I don't know what he did. I'm, just, I'm messing with you. Right? He said I was ugly. You know, like, but I take that to Jesus, right? And I say, God, like, like it's hard for me to let go of this, but then I know that you will give me the grace to do it. I know that you will give me the strength to do it. So we let go of the offense. And then the la- and the next one is, uh, oh, is continue to forgive. You'll notice sometimes even after forgiving someone new feelings and emotions might come up. This happens to me many times. I forgave AJ. Let's be, let's be cool. 
we down, we're brothers, right? And all of a sudden, like we're hanging out, and all like, ah, you know, this, this happens to me a lot with certain people that I, I feel like I forgave them. I'm not talking about AJ has done; he's the nicest guy. I'm not talking crap about AJ. AJ is the nicest guy in the world, right? sweetest man. Um, but there, <laughs> there, there, there's some. He's really, he's very thoughtful person, man. He's a very thoughtful person. Man. I don't know if you've ever known AJ. But he's one of the most thoughtful and considerate people that I know. Right? He has a really good heart. Right? I don't want to embarrass you. He's turning super red. He's hiding, hiding behind Jacques' head. Right? But then, like, there's times where I, I feel like I forgave somebody, but then something will happen, and then all of this, like, like, these things come up inside of me. Right? That means God wants to take you to deeper levels of forgiveness. You know that forgiveness, there's layers to forgiveness. Sometimes it's simple, right? You hit me, I hit you. No, I'm just kidding. You hit me, I turn the other cheek, I forgive you, right? But then sometimes like the, there's trauma that you got, you know, some of you women uh, have gone through certain traumas, right? Like rape and like, you know, very difficult things that it's going to take years for you to be able to get to the, the, the bottom of your forgiveness. I, I say this, but I think Mina has, has had it. She's had experience from her college years where it, it like she felt like she had her H&D, she felt like she was all good, and then the moment we got married and we're like we're we're in there, and then one day she just I don't know it came out of nowhere right she just we're just I'm just watching TV on my phone and she just and she was just wailing right I was like what I do I like I was about I don't know I like I like I, I didn't know what to do I was about to call her roommate like what I, what do I do I don't know like, I, I call Lisa like why is she crying like this you know did she ever cry like this when you were a roommate like but then she was like, ah, and then she realized, like, something happened, and then she was reminded of something, and then she had to forgive this dude all over again on a new level, right? All these, like, you know, crappy things that happened to her. And, and then, and, and then I, I had to be there for her too, because it was affecting the relationship we had, right? We had to, like, like, bring H&D into that, healing and deliverance into that situation, and then into a new level of healing. And I believe that it didn't end there. There were, even then, it had to go into deeper and deeper levels of her being able to forgive. So you have to continue to forgive. It's not like a done and one one and done deal. But sometimes forgiveness takes time. Sometimes forgiveness takes our effort. It takes us really going into that 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 deep area of our hearts. We have to continue to forgive, right? And and your pain and hurt might might be deeper than you understand. Knowing this, you allow the Holy Spirit to lead you to deeper levels of forgiveness. You can take your time. It doesn't need to be rushed. I say it's a sin, but then if you're in the path, if Holy Spirit is guiding you into this path, right, God's going to bring you out of it. And so then you have to be led by the Spirit of God. Like don't try to force it. Sometimes we try to force it. Right? We just sometimes get feel more bitter. Like, oh, Jesus says I'm supposed to forgive, so I'm just going to do it. You know, like we, we do that, and then all of a sudden we just feel more bitter. Right? We have to allow Holy Spirit to lead us. Because he's the one that's going to guide. He he continues to point us to Jesus. He's the he's the counselor. Jesus said that he'll come and he'll come when I go. He'll come and he'll testify about me. And he's going to continue to testify about what Jesus can do. He's going to continue to testify about what the blood of Jesus Christ can do for us. He'll lead us and guide us into that place of restoration and healing. So we we have to allow Holy Spirit to lead us in that. Jesus tells us that forgiving people does not mean continually. You know, getting into that place of, of like you know, reliving it, 
but it also means like following the path that he has for us, following the path in the in the way that Holy Spirit has, the path that he has to bring us out of it and to bring us in the place of wholeness. And next, we have to pray for them. This is this might also be hard, right? but a gauge to know that you've truly forgiven someone is the ability to pray for them. And and uh, in genuine prayer. I'm not talking about the soulish prayers that we pray like, Lord, I pray that they will know what they've done wrong. I pray this about Mina a lot. Like, Lord Jesus, help her to know what she has done wrong. And you are my vindicator. May you vindicate me in the day of justice. Right? You know, like, that's not the type of prayers that I'm talking about. Like, we want to pray those prayers, right? We want to pray those, like, you know, like the, 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 those kind of prayers. But we really, when we can genuinely, genuinely, <laughs> genuinely pray prayers of blessing over somebody, right? If, if somebody that hurt us, right? The Bible says pray for your enemies, right? When you know that, oh, that dude is like my enemy. And when you can genuinely pray for them, it's a gauge, right? You know, like in, if you have a, something messed up in your car, the light will come off. Well, a gauge of your of you being able to truly forgive somebody is being able to genuinely pray for them. The prayers of compassion, prayers of love. And, and even in this, don't rush it. Right? It's better to not pray than pray a soulish prayer, right? Uh, that's the truth, right? That's like that's like witchcraft. It's like you're like praying the soulish prayers that don't don't go along with 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 the will of the with, will of the of, of the, the will of the Father and the way of the Holy Spirit. You're praying these prayers like, oh, my mouth is really. I need some water. Somebody give me some water. Um, you're praying this prayer, like I said, is like these soulish prayers where you're like, Lord, help them to know, help them, like make them understand, you know, like help them to, to feel bad about the way that they treated me, right? These are, these prayers don't do us no good, right? So it's before we can actually pray this genuine prayer, don't rush it. Take, take your time being led by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will guide you. Thank you. I told you, man, this dude is considerate, man. He is so considerate. He is a sweet guy. Man, he's, he's a, I love AJ. But then, but, but when, when you're able to pray these like genuine prayers of blessing over people that hurt you, right, you know that you've been able to kind of have at least a layer of forgiveness towards them. He, Jesus tells us, pray for your enemies. This is what he's talking about. Even if somebody wrongs us, if we're walking rightly with God, we're going to be able to forgive them. I really didn't want to preach this sermon today. I preached this sermon on forgiveness about two, almost three and a half years ago. But I felt like God was having me preach this, not just for you guys to hear, but also for myself. Because I feel like in recent years, our church has gone through a lot. We've been gone through all this shaking, and there's a lot of people that have been hurt. There's a lot of people that have hurt. And I feel like you know, there's certain things in my life that I need to start to let go of and to bring healing into. And I don't know where, you know, some of you guys are in this healing process, but one huge component in your healing is forgiveness. It's to be able to say, hey, I genuinely forgive this person. And for me personally, there are times where I feel I've forgiven certain people, and then sometimes the pain and the hurt will come up out of nowhere, and I have to choose to forgive over and over again. And I'm actually preaching to myself here. I want to take a moment before we close to do some self-reflection. Uh, let's let's close our eyes. 